the key to changing culture is through changing specific behaviors. What are the one or two or three things you can do differently in your organization? That's Dennis Hagler, a PwC partner specializing in business transformation. This is Heather Horn, and I'm happy you've joined me for another episode in our summer podcast series, What's Next? A healthy company culture is made up of successful, well-balanced teams. And over the course of the last few months, those team dynamics have clearly shifted. But that doesn't mean you can't win in the short term. There are ways for groups to thrive during times of disruption, and those secrets are exactly what we're spilling today. So stick around. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to our conversation about company culture and really why that's important today. So perhaps to kick things off, in the context of what we're dealing with from the world environment, the economy, why do you think this is still such an important topic right now? So first of all, thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you and uh, share some of our uh, perspectives uh, on culture and organizations. It has been a fascinating time, hasn't it, the last uh, four, five, six months? And we've learned quite a lot about business and organizations and people and how we work together. Culture is always an important topic in organizations, right? It's a and it's even more so today. As we think about culture as the one of the three key elements in an organization between the business strategy, their operating model, and the culture, that they all have to be aligned in sync so the company is as effective as possible, executes its strategy, and uh, wins over the competitors. And we've done some research. Organizations with distinct and aligned cultures are twice more likely to report superior execution, and they're almost twice as likely to show higher profitability and growth. But today, with all the challenges we've had and all the, uh, the disruptions we've had, the culture is that much more important in organizations. We're seeing vast majority of our clients, especially knowledge workers, working from home. Many of our clients are reporting 90% or more of their staff are working from home these days. So that connectivity that we had in the office uh, has disappeared. So in its place, we have to rely on the relationships we have built over time and nurtured. And as we think about this new abnormal, I'll call it, uh, continuing on the next six, nine, 12 months, as employees come into the organization, we onboard them. Somehow they need to get, get acclimated into the company's culture. Right? So the working remote, completely disrupting, we have nurtured relationships, how we've connected in the office, build office communities and engage with each other onboarded new colleagues. So we have to think about all these things in a very different way. And culture is that connective tissue that holds the organization together when people are not seeing each other face-to-face on a daily basis. One of the things that's interesting to me is we've previously talked in this series about the fact that companies really stepped up to this crisis. And there was a lot of surprise in the business community that you know, employees went so seamlessly from being in the office and then a week later, everyone was working from home and it almost seemed to happen like without a glitch and people showed caring for each other. They were flexible, all these different attributes that really made the time a success. But now four or five months later, people might be getting tired of it. You know, it's taking somewhat of a toll on employees. So how can employers address some of the issues that could be happening with the passage of time and maybe preserve the good behaviors that we saw early in the crisis? 
So Heather, I, I see uh, two parts to that question. So the first part is around what was different, what changed during the response to the crisis. And then the second part is uh, how do we sustain some of these positives while also maybe dealing with some of the challenges. Frankly, it was quite surprising. I think in the middle of this pandemic, with seemingly everything going wrong, the organizations responded by and large. vast majority of the clients uh, we've spoken to, I've spoken to, have reported observing some really positive behaviors in their organization among their people. People rose to the challenge. I think you mentioned already, Heather, people cared for each other in the organization, that that the turf wars were gone and uh, the silos broke down. People reached out to each other, collaborated. There was uh, the virus uh, hurting the business, hurting the employees themselves, and they needed to respond and act fast to keep the business running. So a lot of organizations saw action, initiative taking, fast decision making, people stepping up to the plate and getting things done without being (laughs) pushed hard. In one client, the empathy went through the roof. Uh, They noted that that care for each other went through the roof. They noted one department, for example, they just observed simply their colleagues were overloaded with volume coming in and they were having to work extra, extra long hours. So that department, nobody asked them, the group of employees banded together and they said, hey, can we help you? And after they completed their own work, after hours, they devoted two hours a day for about two weeks to help this other department that was struggling with the volume of workload they were facing. So it was like a, a nirvana almost, that all this utopia that all the executives aspired to, to see for years suddenly just appeared in front of our, our eyes magically. And, you know, there were multiple reasons for that. We did find ourselves in a unique unprecedented situation with the, uh, the the virus. So we had a common foe to deal with and people banded together, right? Uh, the, the flight, the fight against the common enemy, so to speak. But on top of it, there was a, a sense of urgency uh, that the, the crisis generated a sense of urgency that sort of uh, brushed away the, the trivial issues people deal with in the organization and helped them focus on what really matters, keep the business running and solve the client's needs. So Leadership made a huge difference here. Uh, in many, many organizations, leaders came out of the gate and they said, look, we're not going to do any layoffs because of the crisis. We're going to weather the storm as well as we can together. And they came forward and said, look, we don't have the answers. We're in this together. We'll figure it out together. Leaders became that much more human and that much more vulnerable with their employees. They also became much more transparent and accessible. I was speaking to a client yesterday, uh, made a comment like a in many organizations, the CEOs and other senior executives are almost like celebrities. And suddenly there were these weekly all-hand calls and the communications being sent out. The leadership became that much more accessible, visible, transparent, human, vulnerable. The, taking the conference calls, the video conferences from their living rooms or their kitchen tables, wearing a sweatshirt rather than well-groomed, uh, <laughs> impeccable <laughs> CEO. And suddenly you're human, just like us. So employees trusted their leaders, banded together, cared for each other, cared for their customers, and really rose to the occasion. So perhaps uh, this has been an unprecedented time, but also we have seen a lot of these positives, which can last into uh, the future as well. Very interesting. And I think you gave us a good understanding of what happened. And I think we all observed that. We even saw that in PwC. I had Tim Ryan on this podcast from his kitchen, which is not something that would have... (laughs) 
have happened before the crisis. But now that we're into, you know, we're four months or five months into this, which of these behaviors should companies or leaders focus on continuing? And how do they keep this momentum and this idea? You know, I loved your example. They stayed for two weeks, you know, two extra hours a day, this whole team to help another team. How can you keep that going within the organization? Uh, some of this, absolutely, we should all aspire to keep going. Some of it is just a natural response to the crisis. It's inevitable that it will fade away. And it's okay, too. That, you know, frankly, some of the, the challenges with response to the crisis are here, too, with the, the level of workload and the, uh, the burnout that some people are experiencing. Frankly, some of those should go away. That We do need a little break from those. But the positives, uh, what to keep, what to, uh, what to sustain as long as we can. You know, we saw decision-making accelerate and taking actions accelerate. One big driver for that was uh, the leadership, the senior executives just recognizing there simply isn't enough time for everything to bubble up to the top. Employees at every level need to figure out what decisions they're gonna, they are able to make and just make it, go ahead and make them. So they explicitly empowered their employees to make decisions on their own. Along with that came a little bit of a forgiveness that uh, in some companies we observed the leaders just came out and said, look, we know you're going to miss some things, and it's okay. If you make 100 decisions, 98 of them are going to be right, and two of them we might miss, and it's okay to miss the two instead of waiting two weeks to get a response from an executive, right? It's uh, The time is of the essence. Much better to act and miss few things than just to uh, wait for a decision for two weeks. We just don't have the time. So can we sustain this, that uh, the leaders explicitly empower their employees and also uh, forgive the small mistakes. And as long as people are acting with good faith and uh, they're competent, they're skilled, let some things go, right? Don't don't aspire for the perfection. Another aspect of this is around the leadership engagement with their employees. I think it was eye-opening you know, that how some of the small things have gone a long, long way connecting the leadership with the broader organization and creating a, a very positive tone in the organization that just goes much broader than a, a simple engagement of a CEO with a, with a, their direct reports, maybe. The accessibility, the vulnerability, the care for each other. I think we can continue some of these. Like in many organizations, the CEO may have town halls maybe once a quarter. Maybe we don't need them once a week as we did during the crisis or initial response, but can we do more frequently? And the lessons learned around the transparency, given the, the, uh, the, the candid, but maybe tough messages. What about the empathy and the care for each other? That uh, Many organizations came out and said, the leaders came out and said, people first. Our people's safety and health comes first. We'll take care of our people. They'll take care of the, the customers. Can we implement that principle on a more widespread basis on a longer term? I think there are uh, quite a few of these lessons learned. Uh, what I would urge is to take stock of what you observed in your organizations and what made a big difference. Clearly, we're not going to have the same sense of urgency that the crisis generated, but also can we encourage our employees to take action by empowering them to make decisions, giving them the room to operate, also giving them a little bit of a slack to forgive those small mistakes. What made a difference in your organization? Can you distill those few things and then bottle them up and then serve them up in the future? I love that analogy to bottle these things up. But to do that, is it really something then that the leaders need to do or is it something that's kind of from the bottom up? How does that dynamic work? So, Heather, that brings up a very uh, interesting point. The way we think about culture, cultures are, are very strong. 
and they don't change easily. That's why there are cultures, right? If it changed easily enough, it wouldn't be the culture of the organization. To make a change in the culture, we have to bring in the, uh, the broader employee base as much as we can. And the way we think about this is we follow the principle of top-down, the leadership-driven, as well as bottom-up employee driven. It is uh, perhaps even more so important to tap into the energy among the employees to make positive changes in the organization. So in this case, or or broadly, um, how we think about engaging employees is it is about recognizing all the goodness that's already happening and simply looking for multiple ways to amplify those. So it's not about saying that, okay, we want our culture to be customer-centric and therefore we will all think about customers. But finding those pockets in the organization where people are truly customer-centric and they're demonstrating those behaviors, they're living those values day in, day out. So let's find those people and put them up as examples so that other people can emulate in the organization. Also support them with the enablers. Do we need to change uh, some of our formal enablers around, say, performance measures and metrics and incentives or changes to processes or some of the tools and technology we use? But just as important, perhaps even more important, are the informal enablers. It is around these exemplars that we I just mentioned, those people who are demonstrating those behaviors already, let's put them up and uh, let's see if we can replicate that with many more people. But the leaders signaling those behaviors themselves. In every meeting, for example, beginning of every meeting, leaders at every level, could they call out a positive example that they witnessed, say, in the last week? and highlight those, look, I saw, I was talking to so-and-so employee and they did this for a customer. And uh, I would like to applaud them for demonstrating this behavior and serving our customer as well as possible. Takes two minutes maybe to tell a simple story that demonstrates the the behaviors that we wanna see more and more in the organization. There are some things the leaders must do, but this doesn't rest and stop with the leaders, the entire organization. Kind of like that example we were just talking about, people stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, I see this other department is struggling. They need help. They don't need a leader to empower them. People step up and help each other. And what would be nice is uh, if that department gets called out, maybe gets a little bit of a recognition, if not a, a monetary award for it, right? But a little bit positive reinforcement goes a long way in the organization. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, even if they didn't do it to be recognized, recognizing it maybe will make other people more aware of looking around them. So that's right. It, it is indeed calling out the positives. And uh, if you think of the carrots and sticks analogy, sticks only go so far. What is that? <laughs> what is that expression <laughs> Beatings will continue until morale improves. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure sticks and culture are a good match. So actually, uh, that's our, that's exactly the point. It's not. We we cannot force people to act a certain way, but we can encourage them so that perhaps others think about that behavior and look to emulate it, to replicate it. And sometimes it's just the awareness issue, right? Some people just don't know about it, and they see these positive examples being highlighted. Okay, maybe brings up something. And maybe uh, they think about it the next time they face a similar situation. So let me shift gears a little bit to another thing that's been very prevalent, which is obviously with all of the video now, we're seeing each into each other's homes. So previously you might see and know someone from their cubicle or their office, but it's a much different view when you start to see they decorate their family, you know, all different aspects. So how does that impact how we interact? What I'm hearing is uh, it is breaking down some barriers, perhaps. In, in some interesting way, it is helping build more relationships in a different way. That all of us have just become just a little bit more human by seeing into somebody's living room or kitchen and perhaps seeing a child or a spouse or a pet in the background or hearing them. It is making us all 
the more human and opening up different avenues of conversation, different avenues of connection. I'm meeting new people that I haven't met before and uh, new clients and us seeing each other in our uh, offices or living rooms. It is making a a little bit of a different connection, I would say. It's an immediate glimpse. I, I think that's right. And it goes back to what you were saying before. It's almost this authenticity or almost yes. a way, in a way, being willing to be less polished. You talked about a CEO. It's it's not your appearance on television, but it's really how you are at your home and, and what your home looks like. So yes. I think that sort of we're all in it together really does make a difference. And makes us all the more human and perhaps just a little bit vulnerable too, that it equalizes us in many ways. That's right. We're all in a grid on the screen. So then, Dennis, another question is, I think some people listening, hopefully most people are listening are thinking, wow, this is what I'm doing in my department or this is what I see in my company. But I'm sure there's some listeners thinking, hmm, maybe we could do better either as a company, but let's talk more specifically, maybe just as a leader of you know, the finance organization. So mm-hmm. if you're listening and thinking, I want to evolve, where would you start with that? Be clear on why you're changing or what you want to be when the change does stick. And we primarily focus on the business outcomes that uh, companies want to drive. Is it about being more innovative, that you're uh, producing uh, better, stronger new products each year? Or is it about being more customer-centric? Is it about producing better employee engagement? Whatever it is that you're striving for in your business, be clear on these outcomes that you're looking to drive. So that's the starting point. If you're going to go through a lot of uh, work to evolve your culture, be clear on what good looks like, what eventually, if you do achieve your goals, what are you achieving? What are those goals that you're aspiring to achieve? The second piece is focusing on few behaviors. You know, the way we think about culture, our definition of culture is about sustained patterns of uh, feeling, thinking, believing, and behaving. So if you're looking to change your culture, the key to changing culture is through changing specific behaviors. So if you want to be, say, much more customer-centric, what are the one or two or three things you can do differently in your organization? And it might be simple things around put the customer at the center of every question, every business issue, and every action you take into your company is shaped by ultimate customer needs. Another key for us is to focus on three, maybe four behaviors at a time that you're looking to change. And now work on those behaviors. Update the support mechanisms around that, the enablers we talked about earlier, the formal and the informal, change processes and tools, change performance measures and metrics and incentives, change decision rights if you need to, but also the informal aspects of this. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but focusing on the critical few behaviors that make a difference for your organization is ultimately the key to culture change. Let's say I do have a culture that I'm proud of and that you know we we don't want to change significantly. In this remote environment, how can we bring new employees in? In the past, perhaps we could just uh, rely on the, the organization to take care of uh, the onboarding informally. We don't have that uh, luxury to fall back on now. So the onboarding process needs to be much more thought through. What we would encourage is... Uh, In any organization, a successful organization, the reason they succeed, the teams that work well, they work well because they're they have emotional commitment to each other. And that emotional commitment comes through three major elements that they care for each other, they respect each other, and they trust each other. So um, now a new team member, uh, perhaps somebody they interviewed two months ago for about 30, 45 minutes joins the team, and now they're part of the team. How do you create 
uh, trust? How do you encourage respect and care for each other? What we would look for is engineering some of the social engagement that you would naturally find in the office. How do we connect people on a more informal basis? That proverbial water cooler, how do we create that in a virtual environment? Thinking about uh, perhaps overused these days, but the virtual cocktail hours, the happy hours, but a daily stand-up meetings maybe with the teams and where each team meeting might start with a an icebreaker where we talk about uh, non-work topics. So by introducing uh, different topics outside of work, getting to know you as a person, we begin to create those bonds, nurture those relationships. So it is going to take a little bit more work. What we did naturally, without thinking about it in the office, we need to replicate perhaps a little bit artificially, at least initially in a virtual model. But then hopefully they'll be second nature and people will build uh, trust, care and respect for each other. So then let's shift to looking at the future a little bit and a time mm -hmm. when we might be going back to the office in some form. So what do you mm -hmm. see from a culture perspective, particularly maybe in, I'll call it like an in-between time, some people in the office, some of the time, people at home, you know, the office isn't going to look the same way it used to. How should companies think about all of those factors? So uh, the hybrid model, when half the employees might be working in the office and the other half are at home, is likely going to be the most difficult. Everybody being away or everybody being in the office has uh, brought us together one way or another. Now, when people are splitting time between office and home, uh, we're going to need to think about how we collaborate. Like what happens when people get into a conference room and then three people are dialing in? Uh, how can we make sure we hear the voices of those remote just as well as we did in the past? Or when people are just running into each other and having informal conversations, are some people going to be excluded, left out if they're working from home? And how do we ensure we're going to pull them into the right conversations appropriately? So I would urge executives to think about these issues, uh, especially around collaboration, especially around communication and building their office community uh, much more explicitly and think about how they're going to uh, implement maybe some structure some routines, some guidelines around how these things should work in the future. If you leave it to its own mechanisms, people will figure it out, but there might be hundreds of different ways this is going to work in the future. And some of them are going to be suboptimal and likely they're going to create tension in the organization as people just make stuff up as they go. Don't worry about your culture uh, to the extent that it's uh, you like your culture. If it's strong enough, it's going to survive. That's why it's culture. Uh, the distance is not going to make that much of a difference, but there are clearly aspects of your employee engagement, relationship, networks that you have to take care of deliberately now. That uh, what happened in the office organically is not going to happen. So the connectivity, the relationships among the employees, you need to think about how that's going to work in a virtual model. So Dennis, what makes you optimistic about the future? So if we look a year ahead or two years ahead, there's obviously a lot of change still ahead of us, a lot that's going to happen with COVID, but what's making you optimistic? Who would have believed in a matter of a weekend, somewhere around 95% of office employees would just start working from home almost seamlessly? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean to challenge any <laughs> any any gods out there, but uh, I mean, could it get any worse? <laughs> and but we've true. come through, <laughs> and we've come through okay, and by and large, uh, despite you know not to minimize any of the, the challenges many people have faced and so much loss among our people, but uh, this has worked okay. We've survived, and we're uh, we're going to thrive eventually too. And I count on the workers' ingenuity. 
that uh, people have come up with so many creative ways to keep the businesses running and to make their uh, situations that much better and supporting each other. So I count on on that reservoir of creativity, ingenuity, and that ultimately that empathy that lies uh, deep among all of us. I think we're going to be fine. That is a very nice note to end on. So Dennis, thank you for all your insight. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you to Dennis. Join me back here each Tuesday and Thursday for new podcast episodes. Next Tuesday, we'll be talking about the Form 8K and Wayne Carnell will be back to provide us with his insights from his time at the SEC and PwC. And on Thursday, we'll have a new What's Next episode for you. For PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.